Morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well on this Thursday as we're in our fourth day of February already as, um, you know, the world is kind of staying still for us here in red, but um, the calendar keeps flying. So, and so does the world of sports. There's a lot happening uh, in the NHL. There's a lot of negative right now with, you know, just COVID issues with teams not being able to play, but I think they're going to be able to battle through. Um, that's going to be a topic uh, that I'm going to bring up today. I'll talk about teams that are doing with COVID issues, um, cancellations. Um, so I'll keep you guys all up to date on, on that. And I'm also going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, Montreal Canadiens. I mean, Tyler Toffoli. I mean, he's just, he's leading the NHL in goals. I mean, nobody can take that away from him right now. Um, also dive into uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, potential COVID issues that could spring up before the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm hoping that does not, that does not happen because... I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. It's the last game of the year. You want to get to the end of it, and you don't want your season to end like baseball did with Justin Turner. You having to get pulled from the game because he tested positive for COVID. I mean that that would ruin the season. You know, it, it would really taint the winner. And you know, the winner of the Super Bowl should not have an asterisk. Just like the NHL winner in the bubble, the NBA, they don't have an asterisk. They won. Period. That's it. You went in there. You won. The, you won. Every other team had just the same amount of chance to win as you did. Guess what? They didn't do it. So hopefully the NFL can get to a, a resolution here. But like I said, I'm going to start today's podcast talking about some hockey. I'm going to start with Vancouver. Um, last week, they played Ottawa three times, three wins, uh, beating them 16-3 to three in combined score in the three matchups. Uh, then they beat Winnipeg Saturday night. It's a big game on the road. You know, get a, a big victory there. And they're playing well. Uh, Tyler Myers had really stepped up in, in the past week. We've seen, you know, outbursts from Pedersen, JT Miller start to find his game. Um, and uh, Hoglander's a good young kid. He's been playing well for Vancouver. Zach McEwen, their death players have been, have been playing well. I don't think Quinn Hughes has been partic- particularly fantastic this year, but he's, he's got over 13 points already. So he's a point. He's a point defenseman. They're never going to be my favorite, uh, you know, his style of play. Um, but, you know, he produces, so so good on them. But then they come into this week, and I said on Monday, this is a massive week for Vancouver. And because they got Montreal twice in Montreal, and then they have Toronto three times, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. And the start to the road trip could not have gone worse for them. Uh, losing 6-1 Monday night to, to Montreal, I mean – they have played Montreal five times this year and they've lost four of them. And really they haven't been that close. Montreal is a, a much, much better team than Vancouver. And, you know, Monday night, six, one, it was Hopi. Yes. He led in six goals. He hasn't been good this year so far. He's been shaky at best. I mean, their defensive plays is not happening. I mean, guys are just muscling them off pucks. You know, people, people can say, well, Montreal doesn't have a, an elite, player they don't have a, a superstar they don't need one right now because they have a team that works night in and night out and that's why they're getting wins it's not because oh they're playing the bad teams oh well everybody's playing the same teams it's this division it's not that it's adequately strong it's not the east just because it gets the most media attention it doesn't mean it's the toughest division but when it comes to vancouver they just get outworked point blank. I mean, Pedersen, he's a guy that's kind of complained to officials about getting hacked, getting 
you know, hit cross check for a long period of time now. And it's just not happening anymore. When you're not producing, when you're not putting up goals, you might get a, the benefit of the doubt, a call every now and then. He's not getting it right now because he's not the same player that he was last year. I don't know if it's because it's a contract year, really important year for him to cash in um, coming off his entry level, but he hasn't looked the same. Doesn't look the same to me. He hasn't had that same explosiveness and it's, it's tough for them right now. Um, it, I don't know what Vancouver's going to do, but you know, Tyler to they had him last year. They acquired him at the deadline. He, he only played 10 games for Vancouver. Then they went to the bubble. He didn't really get to play much. He was injured, played the last couple games against, um, against uh, Vegas in the, in the playoffs. But this year he's been on fire. He's got nine goals on the year. Eight of them have come against Vancouver. He just torches them. I mean, I, I have a text with a friend every time they play. And, it's, you know, it's about 930 at night, halfway through the game. We'll be like, oh, Tyler Toffoli. Look at him go. And, you know, the past two nights, two players really stood out to me. Toffoli. And I got to go with my guy, Josh Anderson. I mean, Tuesday night, he scored two goals because he was physically stronger than the two defenders that were on him. First goal he scored, he he gets a pass out in front. He's, he's against Chatfield, who's a young defender, and he just muscled him off the puck. He couldn't do anything about it. He tapped in an empty netter. He could have boxed him up better, but Josh Anderson's better. He's physically stronger. Go to the net. Good things happen. Fifth goal of the year. Then he scored the second goal of the game. First of all, he's going to throw a hit on the on the half boards. They, they don't know. The defense basically just throws a muffin up the middle because he doesn't want to take a hit from Anderson. He's scared of him. So then Anderson throws the check, continues to the net, deflects home a goal. Defender didn't box him out. He got a stick exactly where he needed him to be. No problem. I mean, this is just work ethic. We see Gallagher has done this for years. Am, am I the biggest fan of his antics? No, but he's an effective player because he'll go to those dirty areas. Montreal has a bunch of guys that'll go to those areas. Another guy, you know, me and Craig talked about him on it, is Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie is such an underrated player. He, he can score. He's a really good pass. He's, he's a number two defenseman on, on Montreal, and he's the perfect number two defenseman. Um, I look at the I look at teams that have number two defensemen. I think Rorensky is a really strong, you know, behind Seth Jones. I think he's very good. But I, it, it would be tough for me to find a better number two right now because he's playing at a really, really high level. And, you know, maybe you can point to different teams. I'll, I'd make the argument, okay, the guy you have one is two. And then you have the guy behind him is three, four. And you know, it's just because the team's defense court is no good. Um, just a couple examples in the Canadian division. I'll just say, you know, Calgary, you could say, okay, well, Gio, Mark Giordano and Rasmus Anderson. I'd say Gio's a two, three right now. He's not a number one defenseman anymore. He's getting too, too old. Rasmus Anderson's not a number one yet. He's a two, three. So it doesn't, that doesn't work. Toronto. Okay. Riley Muzzin. Riley's not a number one defenseman. No, he's not. Muzzin's a better three. So again, it's what Montreal has is just, it's, I'll say it all year, as long as they keep winning, it's a team. 
They have a well-built, they have a team top to bottom that, that can produce. Nick Suzuki continues to show that I think he's got superstar potential. Um, maybe he won't be a hundred point player, but you don't need to be a hundred point player to win in this league. Patrice Bergeron is not a hundred point player. Jonathan Taze wasn't a hundred point player. They won cups, plural, because they had work ethic. They played 200 feet. Suzuki plays 200 feet and he can also score and assist on be an impact on the game. And Andre Kopitar wasn't always a hundred point player. It's, it's, I, it's just something about this team that really sticks well. And they got Jake Allen in net. You know, he has been good for them. He won the game Tuesday night, four, three, they hung on to, to beat Vancouver again. But for Vancouver, I mean, yeah, you beat Ottawa. Who isn't beating Ottawa right now? The whole damn league could beat Ottawa right now. They're such a tire fire. Vancouver needs to find consistency. That's the biggest thing I think Travis Green needs to preach. You played great last week. You won four. But the first two periods against Montreal, even after losing 6-1, they weren't even in the game. Montreal was dominating. Third period, they showed up to play. But you're not going to beat the best team in the Canadian division playing one period. They played six against them. They played one period. That's not that's not going to work. Holpe's got to find his game better. Myers has, I said, I think he's been playing well lately. Quinn Hughes, stop turning the puck over. You miss Chris Tanev, I get it, but he's not coming back. And you know, Hamannick, whoever is rotating with you, is not going to be as good. Edler is not as good as he once was. He's a, he's an older defenseman. He can't. He has limitations. Um, you know, they need guys to step, you know, Brandon Sutter had a hat trick last week against Ottawa. That's great. It's good to see Brandon Sutter putting some goals, but depth forwards can only do so much. It's on the likes of Pedersen. It's on JT Miller. It's on Bo Horvat and Brock Besser has been off to a great start, but you guys got to be consistent. Brock Besser is one of the best goal scorers in NHL. The biggest mark against him is his consistency because he can score eight and two games, but then he'll go 10 and get one. That can't happen. Especially the biggest saving grace for Vancouver right now is just how bad Alberta has been playing. I mean, Edmonton's been beating Ottawa. Okay, great. Again, I'm not throwing anybody a party for beating Ottawa. If you don't beat Ottawa right now, you should have your head checked. They're that bad. So again, it's a, Next week will be big. You know, Montreal plays Toronto twice next week, Friday, Saturday. They play uh, Ottawa Thursday and, and Saturday this week. But Montreal's been the best team in Canada, and I think you can make the argument they've been the most consistent team in the NHL so far. Uh, I think we've seen some really good teams. Like Boston's been good. Washington, Philly's been good. but And I think they're better than, than Montreal, those teams that, that I named. But Montreal has, I mean, they've lost one game in regulation all year. They've been really consistent. They have had solid goaltending and, you know, they have so much options. You know, Corey Perry, he, he was not even playing. He's got, got his 800 point the other night and he's, he looks good in the lineup. You know, he's not slow. He's out there. He's making an impact on this team. I think he'll stick in the lineup. Uh, when Neil Armia comes back, all some tough decisions, but yeah, it's 
it's it's impressive what they're doing right now in uh in Montreal. And again, next week will be a big test for them with Toronto, but it's just as big of a as big of a test for Toronto. You know, you they are off to a seven two one start. They got Vancouver tonight. But, you know, you beat Montreal opening night, and I can make the arguments because the officials handed you the game. Uh, you know, that holding call against Suzuki, uh, that was a non-call. But, again, they called it. Officials have been pretty bad this year so far. Um, but next week, again, I'm, I'm excited for next week's games because those are Wednesday night and then Saturday being Hockey Day in Canada. They'll, they'll meet up they'll play. So should be in store for some good hockey there, but you know, credit, you know, credit to Montreal. You know, they have, they haven't fallen off the cliff yet that I think everybody's predicting them to be. They want, I think everybody wants Montreal to be the Edmonton Oilers or the Buffalo Sabres. They're not. Those teams started off hot because they scored a lot of goals and defensive structure sucked, which it does every year when the season starts. But Montreal is not bad defensively. They get goals from everybody in their lineup. They gel. They have the best goalie in the past decade. They might not, they're not going to win every night. Of course not. But they're here to stay. Um, let's pivot to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's ugly in Ottawa right now. They're heading home after a terrible road trip where they just were smoked by Vancouver, head to Edmonton. They get their doors blown off by Edmonton losing 4-2 Tuesday night, but I don't know. For for DJ Smith right now, it's got to be difficult because you want to try to protect your young kids and Tim Stutzla, you know, Colin White. Uh, you got Batherson in there. You got they just recently recalled Eric Brandstrom. So you got a lot of young guys, you know, Josh Norris, uh, half their half their lineups, younger guys. But the biggest thing. The veterans have to show something. And I'm talking about Derek Stepan, Evgeny Dadnoff, Matt Murray. I mean, show up. Come on. You know, Derek Stepan has not been the same since he left New York. You know, he's, I'd say he was a number two, to, number two center in New York when they went to the cup final. He was really effective at that role. Went to Arizona. His points decreased year after year. I mean, 20 point. I mean, last year he, he scored just over 30 points, but you bring him in, hoping you can mentor, hopefully you can bring you something, but he's not even playing well defensively right now. Give him pucks up, not being accountable in his own zone. I mean, you're bad. You at least have to be good in your own zone to an extent. And Ottawa has been a mess. You know, Shabbat hasn't been good so far this year. He's been injured too. Again, he's kind of playing by himself on the back end, but I mean, he hasn't been good either. Uh, you can't just say, well, every other player sucks. He's been great. No, that's not how I look at this. But for Ottawa, they can be better. And you know, Evgeny Dadnoff is a big signing they made. And I, he's been a goal scorer in Florida. He scored over 30 goals. However, one on the year, and he's not even getting good opportunities. And yes, he's not playing with, with Barkov like he was in Florida. But on the power play, you could at least be a threat. And I think you just shoot the puck if you're Ottawa. Just, I think DJ Smith's got to tell these guys, just do simple things well. So dad and off, you're, you're a goal scorer. When we get a power play, focus on the power play. We'll let the other parts of your game come along here. 
Let's let's get the power play going. Let's see what you can do. Check. Okay. Eric Goodbranson. All right. You're slow as hell. We know that. We we accepted that when we signed you. However, you're big and you can kill penalties. So let's focus on getting our penalty kill a little bit stronger. Maybe block some shots. Just get the puck out when you have the opportunity to. Do not throw a cupcake up the middle to the other team and then they score. That can't happen. So I think simplifying the outlook of certain players, just ease the game. And, but I think, I still think you need to, I like the slow approach. It's going to be a tough year in Ottawa. We've already seen Brady Kachuk start to, you know, engage physically. He's getting, you know, other teams have been kind of rattling him. I'm fine with that. You know, Brady Kachuk's going to be Brady Kachuk. And he's the guy that plays with emotion. He plays with some bite, plays with, with an edge. And, you need that on your team. You need a guy like Brady who's not afraid to get involved. And he, um, you know, I think he's the one guy showing a lot of heart on this team. I think some nights you don't see anything from, from Ottawa. Um, but a guy that, you know, they've had a couple guys on their, in their pipeline for a long time that I think they just really need to move on from. And that's Nick Paul and Colin White. Colin White he was a guy they touted for a very long time. He's going to be a center that's going to really step up and take over this team. I don't know what he brings. His lack of effort is really quite astonishing. I can see why DJ Smith says, I want to play you, but get your ass to the press box because you don't, you don't do anything for this team. His back check, his willingness to go into the corner, get the pucks. It's just not there. And for a bad team, you need your young guys to at least work. And he, you know, Tim Stutzel is going to get his turnovers. He might make a too fancy of a play. He's 18. You got to accept that. Colin White, he's not, he's been there for a long time. And, you know, he's going to be the next guy demanding a trade because he's not getting the ice time he wants. Well, you're not getting the ice time because you don't deserve it. And your DJ Smith's maybe tough. He's a tough coach. But I think he has to be with this team. I mean, the way they're playing, who couldn't be? And, you know, for a bad team, one of the most important thing you can have is at least adequate goaltending. Matt Murray has been an issue since the beginning. I thought he played great against uh, Toronto when they won, won their game on that Friday night. Since then, he's been a train wreck. Uh, you know, getting pulled in the first 10 minutes of, of the, the game against uh, Edmonton on, on a Sunday – they didn't start him on Tuesday, which is quite astonishing to me after Hogberg gave up five. Um, I just think his confidence is shot right now. He's frustrated on the bench. I mean, every, you know, every game you go into, you're the underdog and he's, he's got a long-term deal, but you don't want to be playing like shit either. And he is right now. So, you know, Matt Murray, it's going to be very important for him to find his game uh, because I don't know what, this team can play harder. That's the one thing they can do in front of him, but he needs to make a save too. You can only point at the rest of some nights. You just got to make that save. Okay. Yes. It was a difficult save, but guess what? Carey Price is making the difficult save. Andre Vasilevsky is making a difficult stage uh, save. Anton Hudobin, who is in a well-known name can make a, bi a big save for Dallas. So I just think Ottawa, they can simple, like I said, just focus on little things for each player. Don't do too much. And 
if you can figure out little things to do for for simple guys could just be let's break out the zone easier and then we can focus offensively but they got montreal twice um they got montreal tonight and they got edmonton next week it they gotta pick it up here because you don't want it to be a joke how bad you are compared to everybody else you want to at least be a competitive team that teams don't roll into Ottawa and they say, well, point night, you know, let's get four each tonight and let's move on. Yeah, that's not fine. And uh, they don't get a, they don't get a break. You know, Toronto's been off since, you know, Sunday where they get an extended break where they can work on stuff. Ottawa doesn't, they fly home from Edmonton. They got Montreal tonight. So gear up because it's going to, it's going to be a tough stretch here for them. But yeah, for, for me, I'd be moving on from guys like Colin White, Nick Paul. I just, they're not the future of the Ottawa Senators. And I think that the management has known that for a while and they just, they just keep, they keep them no matter what. Moving on to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, uh, obviously they made the big deal for Patrick Line trading away Pierre-Luc Dubois and uh, Line had some immigration issues. So he hasn't been able to get over to Columbus but he actually arrived last Friday. He had to quarantine for 48 hours. So he was till Tuesday night. He was uh, sort of till Sunday night, then he was free to go. So practice Monday, Tuesday night makes his debut. Um, it didn't go great. Uh, it did not go great. Um, he played just 20 minutes, he played 20 minutes, was a minus, didn't re- wasn't really a huge impact on the game. And at the end of the game, you kind of saw him heads in his glove already. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's been known for his fitness, not being that great and be, you know, being in shape, but I'm not going to blow this out of proportion when it comes to him and torts, but I don't know how those two work together. Torts is a guy that fuels himself and his players on work ethic. Columbus has made the playoffs the last two years and really they shouldn't have. If you look at their roster, if you're not a hardcore hockey fan, you don't know half the roster. If I hit say the name Marcus Nudavara. What does that mean to you? Eric Robinson, Liam Foody. These guys aren't household names yet. You know, they've been in the playoffs. They've beaten Tampa Bay. They've beaten Toronto. They've been a factor. And for, for Columbus, line is going to be a huge part of, of their future. If they win, but he's on the last year of his deal. And I don't know how him and torch are going to gel. Torts is going to be Torts. He's been a coach for a long time. I think he's changed some. I don't think he's still that, that guy that's crusty all the time and that people can't stand. I, I don't buy that. But he's he's going to be Torts. He's authentic. And I I, uh, I appreciate that. I, I He's one of my favorite people to listen to with the media because he's just not your stereotypical media guy. He doesn't give you what you want. And you know, I have an appreciation for that. Um, but... You know, for line A, hopefully it was just because he hadn't been skating and he, he looked looked slow. He was great opening night, so maybe you can find that chemistry. Obviously, he's with new teammates too, so that's going to be a, a struggle. But, you know, his biggest thing always has been his consistency. Can he go after pucks? Will he go after pucks? Will he go in the corner? Will he play with some bite because he's got it? He's got to here in Columbus. They're in a division where they should make the playoffs with the likes of Chicago, Detroit behind them. I think they're Columbus is a better team than Florida. 
Uh, obviously, you got Tampa Bay there. You know, Dallas is a good team, but you know, you're just as strong. You got Seth Jones back there. You got Orensky. You get two competent uh, goaltenders and Merzlikens and Corpusalo. So we'll see. But uh, he's had a, it was a tough start to his to his career. Uh, uh, but I hope the best for him. But like I said last week, I would play him with Atkinson. Um, Atkinson's a goal scorer, but he's also a very good passer. And I might, I would probably try him with Alexander Texier. I think Texier is a really intriguing forward. He brings a lot to the table. He's a dynamic player, and he's he's a guy that can complement uh, Line A just with speed and uh, with good passing ability. But tough start for Line A. They're blown out by Dallas 6-3. Uh, you know, they scored a couple of goals late. It really wasn't that close of a game. It was uh, throughout the whole game. It was just dominance. Um, before we move on to the COVID problems, I'm going to talk about a couple of games last night. And, you know, the Central Division, you know, obviously Columbus is in it, hasn't really gotten a lot of pop because it's been the COVID division. Everybody's getting COVID and it's been a, been a problem. But, you know, Tampa Bay – it's so crazy. I watched, I watched some of the game last night. They played Detroit. It was a six thirty start, so it started early. It was three nothing in the first eight minutes for for Tampa Bay. It it's just astonishing how much better they are than Detroit. I mean, Victor Hedman just basically circled the wagons, just did whatever the hell he wanted. Then went bar down on Thomas Grice. I mean, Grice led in three goals on five shots. It was. It was tough for him. Uh, he was pulled, you know, like I said, eight minutes into the game. Detroit, they're, they're not good. I mean, they've lost seven in a row. They, they should have, you know, they finished dead last in the league last year. And they got the fourth overall pick because of the draft lottery. Now, let's talk about the draft lottery for a minute. So, the draft, if you guys don't know, draft lottery, end of the year, if you finish last year, the best odds of getting the number one pick. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the number one pick. It goes into, you go in ping pong balls and comes down to odds. And last year, the Rangers won with very little odds of winning it. And that's not good for the league. The team that finishes last in my mind should get the number one pick. And I say this for a couple of reasons. You don't want, so Detroit got number one, they were the worst, but then get the fourth overall pick. They don't get the number one overall pick. And they selected Lucas Raymond, who looks like he's going to be a good player. No problem there. But, you know, Lafreniere was, was what you wanted, what you coveted. And you should be able to draft him. I, I just think you want your teams in the bottom to at least improve, you know, a little bit and year over year. You don't want the same teams at the basement. Detroit's an original six franchise that made the playoffs for 22 straight seasons. They were a powerhouse with Lidstrom, with, you know, Brandon Shanahan, with uh, just their long list of, of players, Stevie Y. I mean, Zetterberg, Datsuk. It doesn't matter who, it could be, you know, Columbus. You want those teams at the bottom to get better. You don't want them to be stuck in the mud forever. And for, for teams that kind of struggle with money, and Detroit's been doing that lately. They moved to a new new building. They weren't having great attendance before the pandemic. I can't imagine that they're you know, swimming in money right now uh, in Detroit. 
they should get that number one overall pick. It shouldn't be a draft lottery. And I get they like the TV event where it's suspenseful and, you know, yada, yada, yada. They should have got the number one overall pick because it's better for the league for Detroit to be better. And it doesn't matter if it's Detroit. Again, my point always is, okay, well, we want the big markets to be good. Okay, that's fine. If that's what the NHL PR wants, is that what the fans want? That's fine. I don't, I don't root for the big market. I don't root for anybody. I just want the league to be competitive. And Detroit was clearly the worst. I mean, last year they were a, a joke. They were Ottawa the past two weeks all year. They need help. And they should get it. And it, I think it's a shame that they could go another year without getting one when, when they're the team that desperately needs it the most. I mean, they were competitive for 22 straight years making the playoffs. And then they get, now they get the shaft. I mean, they were, they were more consistent than anybody, than anybody. And yet you get the likes of Buffalo, Edmonton, Toronto, getting these high picks year after year when they were garbage, they were rewarded for being terrible for decades. Just doesn't seem right to me, Uh, but I don't see them uh, changing the system. But that's just my take. I, I would change it because the NFL works the best. The number the worst team gets the number one pick every year. Who complains about that draft? What gets more publicity than the NFL draft? The NFL draft gets more publicity than NHL season, you could argue. Seriously. It, it's, it's a huge TV event. It's, I mean, it's February, the season's over. They'll talk about the draft. For two months on NFL Live, on first take on these ESPN shows, and the NHL says, uh, you know, it's there. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, who's going, Zach Wilson. So, um, and then obviously last night, the nightcap, great game. Philly, Boston, two elite teams in the, in the toughest division in hockey in the East, East Division. And, you know, one of my favorite players is third game back and he came to play last night, David Pasternak four point night hat trick ties the game late. Um, you know, 15 seconds left ties the game goes into overtime finds Patrice Bergeron game winner, but this guy is so freaking good. Um, and you know, he won the rocket last year. I don't think people really realize that they, talk about Matthews and how good and Matthews is great. But if, if I'm doing a comparison here, I'm not comparing Pasternak to Matthews because I think Matthews is a better player. But when I look at David Pasternak and Mitch Marner, it's not even close for me who I take. I take Pasternak eight days a week. Like he, he's a better scorer. He gets, he's a great passer. I don't know. That's never been a huge thing that people have talked about. He's had multiple seasons with over 40 assists. That's not just a goal scorer. That's called a player. And he brings it. He can have a physical game. He's got one of the best shots in the NHL. And he, he breaks. He's one of the better. If you look at Corsi's statistics, breaking out of the zone, he's top 10 in the league for getting breakouts as a winger. He, Pasternak, you know, this, there's a word that's thrown out, and I think it's used too often. It's superstar. He's a superstar. For me, he is. I think look, I think Austin Matthews is a superstar. I think Connor McDavid's a superstar. I think Sidney Crosby is obviously a superstar. 
David Pasternak's in that conversation. He's in the superstar. He is. What he can do with the puck, how creative he is, his finishing ability, he's gonna he's gonna win some rockets in the NHL. I mean, Rocket Richard trophies, because he's just too damn good not to. He he single-handedly won that game for Boston last night. I mean, the power play is so much different with him on it. I mean, they've had a seven-two-and-one start. He's played three games, but they're a threat with him on the ice every time. I mean, he's on the half wall. Again, he can move in and snap a shot. He's just as big of a threat. Pasternak's legit, and he's 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 this the future of the league. Um, you know, he's making six point seven million dollars. And uh, you know, 16 in Toronto makes almost 11. We can have a little game of bingo, but um, I'll take uh, the guy in the black and gold. But that's that's just one man's opinion. Um, but yeah, big big win for Boston. Come from behind uh, to beat to beat Philly last night. Uh, Pasternak scoring two goals in the final seven minutes. Then he finds Bergeron. Beautiful pass in overtime. And uh, they uh, they win the game four three in overtime and uh, improved to seven two and one on the season. Now to kind of the more depressing news and these past next two topics I'm talking about are about COVID and I feel like I have to talk about it. Uh, it started with New Jersey on Monday. They played Sunday against Buffalo, but New Jersey played the game then Monday morning. 10 players were added to the COVID protocol list where maybe not all of them tested positive, but they were in close contact with somebody who did. So they're added to the list. They can't play for 10 days through the week. It's gotten bigger and bigger. It's been added 15 plus players are on this list, including Mackenzie Blackwood, Travis Zajac, Kyle Palmieri, uh, uh, Jack Hughes, um, you know, some key players from New Jersey. And they suspended play through Saturday for, for the Devils. Then Buffalo started to get some positive tests and they played New Jersey. So they're suspended play through through uh, Monday now for Buffalo. Uh, it's So those two teams done for the week. They, uh, Buffalo is supposed to play the Islanders Tuesday night. That's suspended. Supposed to play them tonight. That's postponed. So that's no good. Then yesterday, 15 players on Minnesota – uh, were added to the COVID-19 list. They played Colorado Tuesday night. And, you know, Jared Spurgeon, uh, Marcus Foligno, um, Zach Parisi, these guys are all added to the list. And then Colorado last night had one player added to their COVID-19 list. It's a mess right now in the NHL. All these teams have suspended play indefinitely due to COVID-19 issues. And I think it's a problem for sure. And obviously you never want to see players get sick, but we haven't seen the athletes die yet or it gets you know, really seriously uh, sick or injured. So saving grace there. Um, but the bigger, the biggest thing I think the NHL could get here, and this is a bad thing to say, but if the Olympics are canceled, and I think the Olympics will be canceled. The, if the Olympics are canceled, the NHL does not have to fret because 
their season can be pushed back. If they can play in July. They could play early August if they really have to. Are people not going to love watching hockey in August again? Maybe not. I'm still going to watch, but that's me. Um, but I think if the Olympics get canceled, NBC is going to have nothing to put on their network for two months or for, sorry, for the two week span of the Olympics. They're going to want something. They're going to want hockey. They're going to want the NHL to be on NBCSN, be on NBC. And I think the NHL could fill that void. And if there's COVID problems, if the schedule has to be pushed back, well, you can because these teams can make up games. Say they play till late May, then they start the playoffs in June. You play till end of July, early August. That's okay if there's no Olympics. And with the world the way it is, with the lack of vaccines here in Canada, I don't see how you can get an Olympics with an Olympic Village with all these athletes. I mean, in, they're trying to do the Australian Open right now in tennis, and it's I don't know if it's going to get off because there's so many teams, so many players have tested positive or coaches and they have to quarantine and all this bleep. And I don't know. That, that's just one tournament with tennis players and coaches. We're talking about Olympic athletes where you get, you know, people from Asia, people from Canada, all over the world with their trainers and their nutrition and all this. You're telling me that's not going to be a, a fucking nightmare. It's going to be, I don't see how they do it. And I think for, for right now, the NHL, Obviously, they can't plan for the Olympics being canceled until it's canceled, which I don't see the Olympics Olympic Committee doing until the very last second. But I think they kind of got to reach and say, we have some more time here. If we really think about it logically, we probably have another three weeks to play with if we really need it. We, we, we can play into August and we can start the next season mid-October. Maybe you don't start the season on the first or second like they do every year. Maybe start the season October 18th, halfway through. So something to think about, but I don't think it's going to be a massive issue for the NHL. Um, again, if, if it spreads, if this week it's Colorado, Buffalo, New Jersey, and you start to see every team get affected down south, you know, then we got a bigger problem here. Then you can't play any games for teams in the States, and it's just the – the Canadian division. Uh, but I think they can battle through this, but it's obviously a concern. I mean, you don't want to see anybody get sick or anything right now, but um, you got large teams that are traveling. This is bound to happen. Um, but that's, that's just the COVID issues right now. And um, hopefully we seen Carolina come out the other side of this Dallas come out the other side, Tampa Bay to an extent. So, um, I think they can battle through this, hopefully, um, to a, to a degree and, um, we'll see where it goes from here, but you know, I have faith that the NHL can, can get through this. The players can, the teams will find a way to, to move forward, uh, without too many issues, uh, long-term. Now COVID again, I'll talk about it today again, moving to the NFL. And this is really a crazy story. I don't know how the hell this happened, but so the chiefs players are all getting haircuts this week for whatever reason. I don't know if they're all getting the same haircut or they all want to get their haircut before the super bowl. Cause they want their hair to look good before they put the helmet on. But for whatever reason, they're all getting their haircut. 
And the Chiefs have a team barber, and he's, you know, he was in the middle of giving everybody a haircut. He's giving center Daniel Kilgore a haircut, and it was at this time his test came back. He's positive. So Kilgore's on his chair. He's sitting there, half his head shaved, and he had to leave it. The hair, you can look it up online, Daniel Kilgore on Instagram. But this side of his head's completely bare, and he's still got hair here. It reminds me of Will Forte on The Last Man on Earth, if you've ever seen that show. And it, it's a funny picture, but the bare concern here is that the barber tested positive. 20 chiefs were in line to get haircuts. And, you know, Kilgore was obviously put into the COVID-19 protocol list. He has tested negative the past three days. But, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert on this crap. It, it can pop up. You know, days later, um, if it really wants to. So, and, you know, one of the guys in line to get a haircut was Patrick Mahomes. For me, do you really need a haircut this week that effing bad? How about go in the Super Bowl, then go get a haircut and get COVID for the next six months? Who gives a shit? I don't know how the Chiefs organization allowed these guys to get hair. Why is haircuts a priority? It's, and I don't know. I don't think the story's done yet. The game Sunday, test could come up positive Sunday morning. We've seen that happen in games. And it's team supposed to fly out Saturday. Kilgore's testing negative. So as of right now, he'll be able to fly to Kansas City Saturday with the team if he continues to test negative. But I don't get how they allowed this to happen. The Chiefs, um, it... Why is why do you need a haircut this week? You you wear helmets during a game. Okay. I I get it. I like to have my hair, you know, look my look, you know, slick back, whatever. But I should get a haircut too right now. It's getting a little look at this. Up the, up top. It doesn't look great right now. But guess what? I can't get a haircut, so I suck it up and look like a sheepdog sometimes. Well, Mahomes, you have you don't have gray hair to begin with. Just leave it. And I I don't understand the Chiefs thinking here. You had two weeks to get through. You play the game, hopefully win the Super Bowl, then you can get a thousand fucking haircuts. But who know, the barber? Like he is he following rules? Is Rick the barber not going to the local pub and having a drink with, with Joe and Glenn, like, who knows what this barber, like, if he tested positive, clearly somebody, he was in contact with somebody, maybe his wife went to uh, a spin class, she comes back, she's got, co again, it's tough, but getting a haircut, just, it seems so stupid to me, why, why do you need a haircut, and um, the Chiefs got to hope that nothing bad happens out of this, obviously, um, with with Mahomes in line with you know, 20 different players you want your best lineup on the field when you when you take on the box because to be quite honest you need it the Bucks are are a good team they're led by you know the greatest the greatest uh, football playoff performer in the history of the league in Tom Brady he's not going to give you a break and I don't think the NFL is going to delay the game just because a few players tested positive because uh you made the stupid decision to uh, get your haircut the week of the game. But 
you know, in years past, getting a haircut is no big deal, but it's not a normal year. We all know that. And I think the Chiefs should have, that shouldn't have been a priority. Win the game, drink some beer, go get a fucking haircut, point blank. But then again, I could be totally off base here, but I just, I try to think logically. That's just what I do. Um, I didn't talk about this Monday because it was such a loaded show, but I want to talk about some golf. Uh, I haven't talked a lot of golf here on the podcast. However, I'm a big golf fan. Uh, you know, we got the Waste Management Open in Phoenix starting today um, on NBC over the weekend. Um, the season's really starting to pick up with tournaments every weekend. Golf's done a really good job uh, since COVID began and getting players place to place. You know, they're traveling, a lot of them are driving, but have not had a lot of positive tests. It's been a really, the, the PGA Tour has done a really, really good job at uh, getting their athletes to and from events and making sure that everybody does it safely. So, so credit to them. But over the weekend, they're playing in Torrey Pines, which will, that's where the PGA, uh, PGA Championship will be played this year. It's a good course, San Diego. Um, and turns going along, you got, in the top of the leaderboard, you got Victor Hovland, Patrick Reed, uh, Tony Fino, who's always seems to be there come Saturday. Um, and, you know, Patrick Reed skulls one a little bit and the ball gets, it's, he goes, it's kind of stuck in the ground a little bit, but you know, in golf, there's a lot of etiquette in golf. It's about being professional, being fair, not cheating. I mean, it's, it's a history of, of being the good guy's sport, so to speak. Now, Patrick Reed, if you don't know Patrick Reed, this guy's been known for cheating. I mean, it's been rumored he goes into the woods and, you know, you don't know where the ball is going to be. You're never going to find it. And somehow he just, there's a ball that pops up and he goes, Oh, this is mine. And it's a pretty good lie. And, you know, cameras don't follow you into the woods and, you know, fans can't really either. So he could just drop it and say, Oh, this is my ball. And he's done some other stuff in the past where, you know, he, he's known for cheating anyway. And that's kind of his MO. However, he's a fantastic golfer. I mean, when he's on, he's, I think he's a top 10 golfer. I mean, he can make any shot you really need him to. But in this moment, the ball's there. Before, he can call a rules official because he thinks the ball's been embedded into the ground and that he, he needs a, a drop and he needs an, a new lie. He picks up the ball. That's a no-no. You don't do that. You, you get the rules official because what if you're wrong? Well, then you get penalized for it. But then the rules official comes over. The ball's already been moved and he faces no penalty for it. And, you know, it's cheating. And we've seen after the round, Xander Shoffley really called him out saying the PGA Tour really protects this guy. And clearly a lot of the guys on the tour, it doesn't sit well with them that Patrick Reed gets liberties that they don't. And so he picks up the ball, you know, he goes through that. It's clearly cheating. And somehow the rules official didn't pick up on it. And, you know, you got guys like uh, Nick Faldo on the telecast, trying to be nice, but basically saying, yeah, Patrick Reed cheated here. You got their new rules official that they just hired came on the screen. Yeah, Patrick Reed's known for this. He's a cheater, blank, blank, blank. And it, I don't know how any, the thing about Patrick Reed, the most intriguing thing, he clearly cheated. Everybody knew it. He kind of, after the round, he went after people on social media. And the next day, you know, most people I think would just be like, oh my God, I cheated. Like people are, I'm in my own head here, right? Next day he goes out and just carves it up, shoots four under, wins the wins the tournament by five shots. But 
he's such a good golfer. You don't need to cheat Patrick Reed. And the only way I see this as a positive for golf is that if he really takes the villain role and learns to fuel from it, when I think golf would do great by having a villain that everybody hates. And then he kind of plays up on it. You get fans back in there. He starts, people start booing him. He gives them a fist pump. He does, you know, he, he works the crowd. He gets them pissed off at him. Some athletes fuel themselves by getting hatred. I think Pat, if Patrick Reed is built like that, I think this could be great for the sport. I think Bryson DeChambeau is sort of like that. There hasn't been any fans back yet. I'll be interested to see how people react to Bryson. He's very different, plays slow, but he can hammer the ball 400 yards, but he's not for everybody. Patrick Reed's a great golfer, but he's not great when it comes to etiquette, when it comes to golf rules. And um, I think if he can embrace the villain role, really be that antagonist that the sport I think needs. Um, there's a lot of great golfers and you know, the golf last year was fantastic. But there's a bunch of good guys. You know, Dustin Johnson's never going to be like, he's just Dustin Johnson. John Rahm, no. Rory, no. Kepka, maybe you could say he's a bit polarizing, but he's more of a, he's not really a villain. Again, DeShambo, maybe. But I think of, you know, VJ Singh back in the day, he kind of had that villain role because he was going up against Tiger. He wasn't always the best with etiquette. Uh, and I think people really took to that. And it made, it's, spark the spark the sport because if the guy they hated missed the cut like a big haha you suck but then the villain was a good player too and i think for patrick reed like i said he's a top 10 golfer every tournament he's going to be in it so you have your villain come sunday coming down the stretch he's going for the title and everybody's like oh i don't want to see him win it but it's compelling and people will tune in and patrick reed is a He's a guy that I think he's really polarizing. Um, I don't like that he cheats. Obviously, I like I have a huge problem with cheaters. I mentioned baseball last week when it comes to the Hall of Fame. If you do steroids, you shouldn't be in, point blank. If you get caught, you're done. So Patrick Reed, he won the tournament this past weekend, but I don't like what he did. And I think the guy's kind of a scumbag for it because he does it over and over. He goes in the rock, you know, when it, when it goes into, you know, the bunker, he'll go in there and before anybody can see him or a camera gets to him, he starts fluffing it and he kicks sand and all like, that's just not golf etiquette. And you know, it might sound really arbitrary if, if you're just listening and you're not a huge golf fan, but it does make a difference where your ball lies and how you play it. And he, again, for him, I think he should adopt, the villain role and just learn to play with it and learn to love it because I think it would make him so much more compelling and it would make the sport more compelling just to not have, you know, a bunch of, let's face it, kind of generic white guys. Um, and, you know, Shoffley's just a good player, the DJ, you know, Rory, I went through the names. They're just, they're good, but to have a guy that's got some edge to him, that's got some bite, that's not afraid to mix it up a little bit. I think it only helped the sport um, when, when it comes to popularity, when it comes to uh, just the overall, the overall game. I think, I think it would help it a lot, but yeah, the waste management open starts today, obviously um, on the podcast, when we get closer to majors, big tournaments, uh, I'll be covering it when it comes, you know, the masters, uh, obviously that's coming back in April. 
but golf, so, you know, there's not usually not a weekend, especially now with um, the NFL being done that I don't, I won't have golf on uh, coming down the stretch of a tournament just to see who can come out on top, who's winning. And the great thing about golf is pretty much every weekend, there's going to be a different winner, different leaderboard. Um, the players that some of them don't play the same tournaments, but you got to win a tournament. Then he misses the cut the next week. That's just kind of golf. And uh, I like how every week there's seems to be a different challenger and a, a different guy who's playing really hot. So um We'll get more into, into that on the podcast as, as we move along here, especially with, with the NFL uh, winding down um, Sunday night. But yeah, t- for tonight, uh, like I said, Vancouver's in Toronto. We got Montreal in uh, Montreal playing Ottawa. We got uh, Columbus. Columbus playing uh, Chicago tonight. Um, so a couple games, few, three cancellations tonight. So that's obviously a bummer. Um but hopefully we can battle through this. We can get through this tough stretch and it, teams can come back healthier and uh, this COVID scare will be put to bed. But for right now, it's obviously a, a concern for the NHL clearly, and they have to deal with it. Uh, I, I think they can get through it. And I think the players, obviously there's going to be protocols. I think they need to do some investigation into what caused this outbreak. Our players breaking protocol. I mean, are they, is it somewhere at the hotel? You got to do some investigations here. If you're the NHL to try to limit this from happening again, I mean, they slapped Washington on the wrist for um, the three guys hanging out in the hotel room. Well, what happened, what happens here? No, nobody's going to get punished for this. It's just bad luck. That seems like a double, double standard to me. And I don't, I don't like that one bit. I mean, it's, be consistent or shut up and wh- why just hammer Washington when you know, they've had one case that Samsonov did test positive. Well, these teams here are having multiple players test, but what, what the hell happened? So I, I'd like to see the NHL be a bit more transparent with, with their COVID rules and how they're treating these other teams. Because if it's just Washington facing the brunt of this, for you know, guys having a drink after a game. Well, a two brew today. Um, but yeah, uh, that's probably it for today. But coming, we have a lot coming up tonight. I'm going to be recording a podcast with Brody Terrio. We're going to talk about uh, UFC. We're going to talk about uh, UFC 257, uh, McGregor, Poirier fallout, the, the lightweight division, where we see that going. Um, we're going to talk about rankings and how f- fighters do and don't get opportunities kind of how the sport works and what we don't like about it. When we talk about uh, the role of the referee and when he stops a fight, uh, that's another big angle of the sport that I don't think is talked about enough. And then we're going to preview some upcoming fights on some big pay-per-views in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, and then uh, this tomorrow morning, I'll be uh, doing a show with Matt Wright. We'll talk about the NFL uh, we'll talk about Super Bowl, uh, Deshaun Watson. So we'll get you a Super Bowl. We'll get you previewed. We'll give our picks, our MVP picks, and um, we'll get you set for, for Super Bowl 55. And then Saturday, uh, Casey Ward's going to hop on with me again, and we're going to be talking about the best and worst uh, tanks in the, in the last uh, 10 years in the NHL. So 
teams tanking, teams giving up on the season, basically trading away players and, you know, the best tanks and rebuilds uh, in the past decade. So um, that should be fun. We might be doing that on Facebook Live. So I'll keep you guys too, uh, prepared and tuned up for that. But, um, you know, have a great Thursday. Like I said, I'll be back tonight with Brody. But uh, stay safe and we'll talk soon.